Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. This is a commonly quoted passage, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's a lot more said in this short chapter from the book of Psalms uh, than just that short line. And I want to take a look at that this morning under this, this, uh, this idea that, it, that the fact of the matter is, in life, there are a number of things over which we have little or absolutely no control. Amen. You have no control over what the person in the car that's coming towards you is going to do. You have no control over uh, your health and and certain things in life, and you have no control over your, your genetic makeup and how that, that, you know, when I look at those donuts, I gain weight, but that one over there, they can eat two dozen, and it's, amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about this morning. You, there's just certain things in life you have no control over, and one of those things is your parents. You have no say over who you are born to. Amen. God is the one who has the say in that, and it is not us. Your mother... It's not someone that you chose. In fact, your mother didn't choose you. God chose each of you for one another. And the the truth is, sometimes those things, there are other factors that that come into the, the, if you will, the relationship of a mother or a father and their children. We know that God's will is the first because without God allowing it, there would be no life. Amen. But we also understand that human choice affects those things and And human nature gets in the way, and and as children, we have no agency over where we're born or to whom we're born. Uh, We don't don't have agency over who we live with as children or who cares for us or how good a job they did at that or how poor a job they did at that. And we know that especially in our day, uh, there is such a wide variety of what a home looks like. We know that the biblical standard for a home, you know, the, if you will, the perfect, the idyllic viewpoint of a home is a father, a mother, and the children. But in the day we live in, sometimes that's not exactly what you get. And that's, that's just the way that it is. And sometimes I think there's a little bit of, of maybe bitterness or maybe a little bit of, of feeling, feeling like maybe somehow you're lesser because your family didn't look like this family or, or that family didn't look like this family. But can I tell you this morning... That at the end of the day, none of that stuff really matters because there's nothing that you can do to change the way you were raised. There's nothing you can do to change what your home was like, whether it was this Rockwell painting or something just off the wall or whatever it may have been, or or whether you were raised by your your biological parents or whether you were adopted or, or whatever it may have been. The fact is, as a child, you have little or no control over that. That's just the way that it is. And oftentimes life takes us to certain places and life leads us down certain paths that uh, sometimes as humans we will look back and say, well, you know, I kind of wish my life had been more like this. Or I kind of wish my life had been more like that. Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is something from this passage that we've just read. And what it says there in verse number 3 is this, Lo, children are an heritage... Of the Lord, so I want to preach the thought this morning on on a heritage from the Lord. A heritage, we know what that word is, and if if we look at that word heritage in its context here, uh, and we look at it in the in the Webster's Dictionary, eighteen twenty eight, we understand that a heritage, uh, as is mentioned in verse number three, is referring to something that has been passed down. It's an inheritance, if you will. Now, we speak of our heritage oftentimes in referring to our lineage or where we come from and what we, what we came out of and all of that. But in this particular passage, in this particular instance, the word heritage is referring to something 
that is passed down, something that is uh, given, if you will, like an inheritance, you know, like we have in our in our everyday lives now, and, and we see that a lot of when, when, when a man and a woman are married and they have children and they grow old and they put together a will, if they have land or, or they have some sum of money or, or some things, they will pass those things down to their children, and that is a, a heritage in this context, something that is given down to them, down the line of inheritance. So first, what I want to look at today is I want you to look at your, I want you to acknowledge, if you will, your given heritage. And the truth is, your given heritage looks different from person to person. And, and I want to kind of open that up today in the message, if the Lord will help me, and show you how that it, it is different for each person, and not everybody's story is the same. And like I said, one might be uh, just a normal family of, of the, the, the picture view of a man or woman having their own children biologically, and another might be an adopted situation or foster parenting or whatever it may be. It may be an aunt or an uncle who have, who have taken a strong part in the raising of a, of a niece, or some people are raised by their grandparents, or whatever your situation may be. The people that God has put in your life as you were a child to raise you, and the children that God has placed in your life for you to have a hand in raising are a heritage. If you will, the Bible, what it says here is this, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. It is something that is passed down. And we know that from James chapter 1 and verse number 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light. So children are a heritage in that they are passed down from the heavens to us on the earth. Amen. It is a gift of God. Children are a gift. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Children are a gift. Amen. And I know sometimes children are a challenge. Amen. Y'all mothers are saying, Lord, yes. I woke up this morning, and uh, I was upstairs. I got up early and was upstairs in the parsonage studying, and Peyton uh, and Brooke and all them downstairs, they, uh, they were all up and stirring up and getting up. And Peyton, I heard her from downstairs, where's Daddy? And she came upstairs to me, and she sat down, and she said, I slept in my bed all night, Daddy. And I said, good job. And then Brooke came upstairs later, and I said, Peyton says she slept in her bed all night. And Brooke goes, no, she didn't. What are you talking about? She said, she came in there, woke me up in the middle of the night. You don't remember that? No. And a lot of times, when we, when we first started having children, I was a very light sleeper. That's changed. Uh, I've become a heavier sleeper because of, of the children being constantly awake, I guess. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's probably bad. But the fact stands, she came to me and, and she said, I slept in my, in my bed all night. And Brooke said, no, she didn't. She woke up and come in there and I had to go lay down with her. And when I did, I spoke to you. And I told you, Link's in the bed, because she had to feed him, don't let him roll off the bed or anything. Don't worry, this story doesn't end with him rolling off the bed. Because of the grace of God, because God's good. And I said, did I respond to you? She said, I think so. You said something. I said, okay. And she's like, yeah. I said, here he is, don't let him roll off the bed. I have no memory of this. I have no memory of that. She goes and lays down with Brooke. She comes back a few minutes later, and Link is sitting up in the bed, and flopping around, it's the grace of God. I'm over there just sleeping like a teenager. Amen. They say sleep like a baby. Babies don't sleep. Teenagers are the ones who sleep. Amen. Amen. And, she, and I said, oh, well, that's crazy. And she said, yeah, when I come back to bed, I said, Paul, you're supposed to be watching him. And you said something. This did not happen. She had to have dreamt this. Because I didn't say a word, because I, I have no memory of any of that. So I was either just outside my mind, maybe these antibiotics I've been taking for that cut of just, or just messing my brain, or I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I have no memory. <laughs> yeah. What was it you said the other day? The man sickness, what's it called? I forget. The man flu? God bless y'all, ladies. I'm a man. That's right, I am. The fact is, sometimes when you deal with so much, I remember when Link was born and Brooke had had, a, we'd had a scheduled C-section. And when Link was born, there were some things there right after his birth that were just really difficult. 
Uh, and I remember Brooke just, even when we were in the hospital for, I think, about almost three days, she would just sit there and cry, just hurting and just tore all to pieces and in bad shape. And me sitting here thinking, I can't do anything. There's absolutely nothing I can do. And it would be, it would be easy to look at that and look at the difficulty of childbirth and how, how painful that is and, and, and all that comes with it afterward and all the struggles, the lack of sleep and all those things we could talk about. But isn't it amazing how, as time goes, you just completely forget all of that? Amen. Women literally giving birth to their children go to the brink of death to do it. And then a year later, like, when are we having the next one? They just forget. Amen. I cut my finger with a butter knife, and I'm like, I'm not going to hold butter knives anymore. <laughs> I, I, that's exactly right. But God has put it, be, you know why? Because children are a gift. They are a heritage from God. That God, because He loves us, and because He wants to be good to us, and He wants to bless us, He gives us children. Amen. Children are your reward, is what the verse says here. It said this, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. The fruit of the womb is reward. Children are a reward to us. They are a gift of God that has been given down from the Father of lights at comes down, it's passed down from God to us. They are your reward. They are not only our reward, though, something that we should be very thankful for and something that we should be, uh, that we should be encouraged by and blessed by our children. Amen. Uh, but they are also your responsibility. In the next verse there, it says there in verse number 4, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. I've always thought it's interesting that he would use the example of an arrow in the hand of a mighty man to represent a child. Because I've never looked at my children and thought, yeah, that's an arrow. <laughs> that doesn't exactly line up. But there are some similarities here that we can see that I think lean to the concept of the fact that children are your responsibility. Amen. Uh, we can see the drawing of an arrow and how that an arrow in the quiver is pointless. It's just in there. It's just doing nothing. It's just sitting here doing nothing. But an arrow that is drawn from the quiver, when it is drawn and it is knocked and it is pulled back, that it is done so with purpose. Amen. Amen. Yesterday, some of us men uh, uh, went over to down to my dad's church and they did a security training with some of the guys who are going to be handling security here at the church. And, and I went with them and they did a lot of exercises and training. And, and, and for probably about a half an hour, maybe longer at the beginning, uh, a couple of the, the two men that were leading us sat there and just drilled into our heads the importance and the danger of handling a weapon. How serious it is. And, and I mean, just going above and beyond in what was with one thing they called a three-point safety check, where you pull back, a, a, you pull back the gun that, and, and you look inside, and then you put your finger in there to make sure there's not a bullet, and then you show it to someone else with the magazine out before you consider it safe. And to some, they'll say, well, that's overkill. But the importance is this. If you're going to take a weapon and you're going to load it with an ammunition, then you better mean what's about to happen. Amen. Amen. The same thing is true with an arrow. In this time, they didn't have uh, fully automatic rifles. Amen. They had bows and arrows and swords. And if they were to take that arrow and knock it and draw it, it's a loaded weapon. And if you're going to draw back an arrow, you should do so with the understanding that this is important and that you're taking, you could be potentially taking a life into your hands. And if you're going to have children, you need to understand it's important and you're going to be taking a life into your hands. It is a great responsibility to bring a child into this life, especially in the day we live in. When Brooke and I began talking about having kids, I mean, we knew we wanted to have children and we wanted to have children and raise them for the Lord. But there was a moment of, should we even have kids in this world? How is it going to be in 15, 20 years? And what are they going to see that we, haven't, that we hadn't even seen? And Man, how, how dark this world is and how difficult it is and how things have changed. And to bring a child into this world and how serious a matter that is. Amen. It is not something that should be done because you, know, you like playing dress up or you just think they're cute. Because what you'll find out is their diapers are not cute. Amen. And it's not fun to change stinky diapers. Amen. It's just not. You're going to find out that there's a whole lot more responsibility than there is just the fun stuff. 
And all the fun stuff is wonderful, and it's all a blessing. And I got out of bed early the other day, and I stood up, and, and, every, and, and all the kids were in the bed. Amen. It's a blessing. They're a reward from the Lord, and I love them. But both of them were in the bed with us, and Link was laying over on Peyton asleep. And I pulled my phone out and took a picture, and I just thought, man, what a blessing that God's given me these children, how sweet and precious they are, and I love them. And that's wonderful. But can I tell you that those moments, those moments are small in comparison with the great responsibility that is on me to raise those children and to raise them right and to say the right things in front of them and to teach them the right things and to be consistent. Are y'all still with me this morning? There is no job on earth more important than being a parent. Amen. And more difficult and more dangerous because it's a job. And if you just throw caution to the wind and don't do it right, then you're going to produce children who are damaged. Amen. That's what we have to do is we have to understand as mothers and as fathers that our responsibility of raising them, when we take a child, we say, I'm going to have a child or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have this child and we draw that arrow back, you better do it understanding what it means before you do it. The drawing of the arrow. Then we see the direction of the arrow. Not only must we employ the drawing of our children and understanding the responsibility, but just like an arrow, before you ever draw it back, you ought to have a direction in mind. Amen. That as a parent, it is our responsibility to understand that when that arrow is released, it's going somewhere. I, I, I preached a message some time back, and I've mentioned it before, I think, here. But the first, we often go by what's called the law of first mention in studying the Bible. And the first mention of a father and mother in the Bible is in the book of Genesis, I believe, chapter 2, where the Bible says that a man shall leave his father and his mother. The first time a father and mother are ever mentioned in the Bible is their children leaving them to go and cleave to their wife, to their husband. That tells me that as a parent, your number one job is to prepare your children to leave you. Amen. It's not our job when they turn 30, 40 and just, I'll never let go. That's not our job as a parent. Our job as a parent is to prepare them so that when they are away from us, they're ready. That when they're away from us, that they know what's right and they know what's wrong and they can take care of themselves. And We're, we're raising adults, not children, as they say, right? So we need to understand the direction. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now that nurture, we, want know, we know what nurture is, right? Nurture is this, right? Amen. It's like my son. He, he fell. He was, he's pouring himself up on everything, so he's falling 800 times a day. He pulled himself up on the dishwasher, which is a little slick, and he slipped, and he hit his head on the dishwasher, and then he hit his cheek on the floor. He had a red spot there, and I mean that head is this big. So he had a red spot here and a red spot there. And I just pick him up and he just lays on me. Oh, and he just cries and I'm just, oh, honey, I love you. It's okay. I'm sorry. You nurture and you love. That's nurture. Admonition is not nurture. To admonish means to tell them when they're wrong and make sure they get it. Amen. And as a parent, never telling your children they're wrong, never telling them no, never administering as the Bible teaches punishment, spank, let's call them straight up spankings, as the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us that if we don't, we do it because we don't love them. If we don't do that, it's because we don't love them. So well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would me administering, are y'all still with me this morning? I know this is a little, y'all think, it's Mother's Day. Amen. You know what we need? We need good, godly mothers and good, godly fathers. That's what we need. That's what our country needs. That's what our church needs. That's what our county and our state and our, our town and our homes need. More than anything else, that's what we need. <clears throat> but the admonition is this, that you teach them when they're wrong so that when they're away from you, they still know right from wrong. We've got a generation, and, and I, don't, I don't buy into the generational politics that the world pushes. Now, but I'll say this, we, it is undeniable that there's a generation of children now who were raised in godless homes where they were taught that to, to administer a physical punishment to your child means you don't love them. And that's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. 
And the reason is this, and let me put it to you like this, and I'm not, I'm not going to preach on spanking your children no more. Trust me, but I'm going to tell you this. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let me, let me explain it to you this way. The reason, I had a conversation with a lady at one point about this very thing, and she was asking me about it, and I said, well, you know, and we just had Peyton. Peyton was very little, and she was just kind of getting to that point. And she said, well, I'm just not going to. I said, well, you know, okay, that's up to you. I said, but the Bible does teach that if you don't, then you don't love them. And the reason is because this, the reason that that lady did not want to spank her children is because it hurts her. Not because it hurts them. Because I, I mean, any of y'all that's got parent or that's got children, you know, spanking them is the worst. I hate it. Especially now that my daughter is old enough that she, she knows she's done something wrong. And so, honey, you got, you got to have, you're going to have to get a spanking. And it's, no, I don't want a spanking, please. And it's like, Lord, why is this happening to me? Not to her, to me. Because it hurts me, and I hate it. Me. You hearing what I'm telling you? Spanking, you know that, that phrase we like to jokingly mention? Well, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And as children, you think, liar. And as a parent, you know what? Punishing your children is the worst. It's awful. It hurts me. But I do it because their future and the direction that I'm pointing them is way more important than how I feel in this moment. It's way more important that they know that doing this is going to hurt them for real. Amen. It's way more important that we admonish them and teach them what the Bible says and give them that nurture and give them that admonition in the Lord, so that when they get older, they will not depart from it, as Proverbs tells us. In Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If we train them with words and not actions, then don't be surprised when they go a different direction than you intended. When you draw back that arrow, you better have a direction in mind. Not only the drawing and the direction, but we see the destination. Because here's the thing, every time... You draw back an arrow. I don't know if anybody has ever done any archery. But anytime you draw back an arrow and release it, that arrow doesn't always go exactly where you wanted it to go. Amen? The fact is, the destination that sometimes, and the direction, and the place where our children go, sometimes it's not exactly where we wanted them to. I didn't exactly want my daughter to say that thing she said to me, or, or this to happen, or that to happen. I didn't exactly want, that's not exactly the guy I'd have picked for my daughter. That's not exactly the girl I'd have picked for my son. That's not exactly the job or exactly the this or exactly the that. But I'll tell you this, if you'll raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and train them up in the way they should go, they'll not depart from it. Where they wind up will at least be close. Because it's God's job. When they are gone from us, it's God's job to take that and just... I want you to acknowledge your given heritage. Children are a reward. They're our responsibility. They're also our rejoicing. The verse said this, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Children are meant to be our joy. Amen. They're meant to be our joy. The fact is, that having children and, and seeing them grow up in the Lord, John said there's no greater joy than knowing that my children are walking in the truth. And that's, that's what we should want. That's what we should see. Don't let the difficulty of the responsibility steal away the rejoicing. Amen? Don't let the difficulty of the responsibility of raising children or, or regrets or this or that take away the rejoicing that God saw fit to bless you with children. Because that is a heritage from the Lord. Amen. Secondly, I want you to see, not only should we acknowledge our given heritage, but I want to acknowledge our goodly heritage. Now, I want to point something out before we move on. Just because in your personal life today, or as a child growing up, or whatever, just because in your own personal life, maybe your home life hasn't reflected exactly what God would have intended in a perfect world, doesn't mean that, well, it, it's just too bad for you. 
just because you didn't have a dad or you didn't have a mom or your children are, are, are being raised maybe in a, in a split home or this or that or whatever it may be, doesn't mean, well, you know what, we're going to start talking about a goodly heritage and, and I don't have that. My parents didn't raise me in church. and My parents didn't do this and, and my parents didn't do that. I, I want you to understand something. A goodly heritage always has to start somewhere. A goodly heritage always has to start somewhere. And the fact is, that can start for some of you today. So, Brother Paul, I've not been exactly the right kind of godly mother for my children. Or I've not been exactly the right kind of godly father for my children. Well, good news. You can start today. Well, I'll never be a real good dad because my dad wasn't a real good dad. I'll never be a real good mom because my mom wasn't a real good mom. Or I was this, or I was that, or they were this, or they were that. None of that matters. A heritage has to start somewhere. And not everybody's got the same story, but everybody's got one that they can make themselves. I want you to acknowledge a goodly heritage. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to talk to you about a young man by the name of Timothy, who happens to be uh, my namesake. My first name is Timothy. Middle name is Paul. And uh, I was named Timothy because my dad's name is Timothy. He was named Timothy after this man in the Bible, Timothy. And the fact is, <clears throat> when it comes to an example of a goodly heritage, Timothy has all of it. I'm going to show it to you. Well, not all of it but he has both sides of the two sides of a coin I want to show you. Uh, the first one I want to show you is a goodly heritage of family. In, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want to read seven verses to you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. First, I want to look at the goodly heritage of family because in the example given here from this passage, we have an example given of a goodly heritage of family concerning lineage. Paul mentions his forefathers there uh, in verse number 3, how that he served from his forefathers with pure conscience, that there were those before him in his own personal life who had walked the way and led the path before him, and that he was continuing in the path of serving God. And then he speaks specifically about Timothy and how that Timothy uh, has the same, what he calls, unfeigned faith, which is to say it's not fake, but it's real. It's not a put-on, it's not a face, it's not a facade, but it is true faith in Timothy that it was first in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. And so if you go to the book of Acts chapter 16 and you read about Timothy there in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1, you'll see how that Timothy was likely led to the Lord by his own mother. Amen. What a blessed thing that is. And this morning I could undoubtedly ask if anyone here today were led, by, led to the Lord by your parents. Were your parents there giving you the gospel or, or showing you what the Bible said about being saved when you got saved? And, and many of us would say yes. My dad was preaching the night that I got saved in a revival in a small church in Sonora, Kentucky, and, and I had to just interrupt him in the middle of his message, which was to this day the scariest thing I've ever done. Amen. And then I got down and got gloriously saved. And I had my mother there praying with me, and my father there praying with me. And not everybody has that story. But like Timothy had, he was led to the Lord by a mother who was a believer in Acts chapter 16. And I'll read it to you there, verse 1, where it says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, that's speaking of Paul. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. That's his mother. 
And we know her name is Eunice from this chapter in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And not only Lois, but his grand, or not only Eunice, but his grandmother, Lois, that his grandmother and his mother were believers. Amen. It is likely you could go on, I won't turn to all the verses, but the Bible tells us elsewhere that, that Timothy learned the scriptures from his youth. And so it's likely that his mother and his grandmother, being Jews, taught Timothy the Bible, the Old Testament, all his life until they were converted to Christianity. And then when they believed on Jesus Christ, they brought the gospel to their son. That is Timothy's goodly heritage concerning lineage, that his family, his mother and his grandmother, brought him the gospel and were a good godly example. Amen. And if that is your story this morning, you ought to thank God. Amen. You ought to thank God if that is your story. There is somewhat of a stigma. I know, I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Y'all ever heard of a PK? Do y'all know what a PK is? That's right. Can I just tell you the stigma around preacher's children is ridiculous? And I know that sometimes we look at it and say, well, you know, I, I've known a lot of preacher's kids and they just went this way. Can I tell you it's not because they're preacher's kids? When, when those kids and they just go the opposite way, it's not because their dad was a preacher. It's because their parents did not point them in the right direction and give them the right direction they needed. They failed them in a certain way. And you say, well, it's more prevalent in preacher's kids than this and that. Can I tell you this evening, if you're a young person in here today and you've got people in your life who love you and give you the Word of God and teach you the Word of God, you ought to thank God. Amen. You ought to thank God for a goodly heritage of people that would teach you the Bible and take you to church. Amen. That, that would show you that, that this is more important than anything else going out there. Now, I, I grew up and we didn't have a lot of money. Amen. We didn't have a whole lot of money. You know, God was good to us and we never went hungry, but we didn't wear the, the nicest clothes and we lived in an old house that we redid a little bit and, and we worked on a farm and my dad was a pastor. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a nice car and, and we didn't have all those things. But you know what? When, when my parents leave this world, I'll never think back about all the things I didn't have. I'll think back on how that my dad taught me the Word of God and that he stood in the, in the pulpit and he thundered out and preached and that my mom was a godly lady who prayed for us and who loved us and taught us those things. If you've had that, you ought to thank God because I guarantee you there's some folk in here this morning that would stand and say, I wish that was my testimony. Amen. Timothy had that and his mother and his grandmother and you ought to be thankful for it if you've got that. A goodly heritage of family concerning lineage. A good, a good heritage, goodly heritage of family concerning learning. It said this, he said that that unfeigned faith which was in Lois and in Eunice, he said, I am persuaded that in thee also. That it was not just something, yeah, my mom and dad, they were Christian, my mom and dad, they went to church, but it's in you. Amen. I know we don't have that many in here this morning that will be considered teenagers or what have you, two or three. But let me encourage you young people, take to heart the truth of the Word of God that your parents and those people that God's put in your life to lead you are trying to give you. It is important. And their faith will not be enough. You need it. Therein, you need it. Girls, y'all need it. Amen. Y'all need the same faith that you see in Brother Sam and Miss Julia. You need the same faith that you see in your parents. You need it. Amen. It's not enough that the parents have it. The children need it. And it's our job to walk in it and show it to them and, and to draw that arrow and point in the right direction. But children, you won't skirt through life on the faith of your parents. You need it. Amen. Concerning learning, we see a goodly heritage of family concerning love. Can we agree that Timothy grew up in a family of people that loved him? In, in, in Acts chapter 16, that same passage where it told us that Paul came there, that here's what happened. He started hearing a good report about a young man named Timothy. It said this in verse 2, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, that he was known, that his family was known. He grew up in, a, in, in an environment of love. And let me just tell you this morning, never underestimate what true biblical love can produce in your children. 
goodly heritage of family. Then I want you to see this, and this will be my last thing today. I want you to see a goodly heritage of faith. It's one thing for everybody in the community to know you, know your parents, and say, oh, they're good people. It's another thing when your heritage is one of faith. Before we dive into that, I want to show you something. First, I want you to see Timothy's shortage. I read you part of Acts chapter 16, verse 1, but I didn't finish the verse. Here's what it says. There was a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, who we know is Eunice, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. That's about all we know about Timothy's father. And there's been a lot of debate over whether Timothy's father was a a believer or not. Some believe he probably was. Many believe he probably wasn't. Here's what I do know about Timothy's father. He was a Greek married to a Jew. That was frowned upon by the Jews harshly at the time that they would have been married. Very harshly frowned upon. But they were married and Timothy was not circumcised. I know this because later Paul, when he recruits Timothy into the ministry, circumcises him. The reason he does that is because they're going to go be missionaries to Jews. And he said, I've become a Jew to the Jew. And that's it. Not because it's, it's, a, it's a thing with the law, because we all know that's not true. It was just a thing they did to strengthen their witness to those men. But I'll tell you this. His father, being a Greek, obviously did not believe in the law of the Jews, or else he would have had him circumcised as a child. So we do know that. And we also know this. His name's not mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 1. The faith of his grandmother and his mother are mentioned, but his father is never mentioned. Maybe his father was a believer later in life. Maybe he converted to Christianity. Maybe he did not. I don't know. But I know this. I do think that it is telling that it's not stated. When it is clearly stated that he had a godly mother and a godly grandmother, but never even addressed if his father was a believer, that's telling. Wouldn't you agree? Timothy's shortage is this. While his mother and his grandmother are teaching him the Old Testament as a child and reading the Bible to him and praying and and teaching him about the Lord and, and then later giving him the gospel and leading him to Christ, his father is just absent. Absent from the story. Not even in the view. Timothy was a man who had a great godly influence in his mother, but did not have it from his father. Amen. He had that shortage. But I want you to see not only Timothy's shortage, we're speaking about a goodly heritage of faith, but I want you to see the Lord's substitution. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, our text verse, we've been reading 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse number 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, The Lord sent Paul to Derby and Lystra. And when he did, he sent some people to give Paul a, uh, an update, a notice, some word, a rumor, a tale about a young man who loved God, whose reputation had gone before him and he's serving the Lord. And Paul met Timothy. And Paul brought Timothy in to his ministry. He began to teach him about the Word of God and to teach him about the Gospel and to teach him about preaching. The book of 1 and 2 Timothy are letters written to Timothy about being a pastor because Paul has made Timothy a pastor. Paul has taken him under his wing. And when he speaks to him, you know what he says? My dearly beloved son. At other times he said, my son in the the faith or my son in the Lord. He didn't say that here, he just said, "My, my son. Timothy was like a son to a man who had no children. And Paul was like a father, a godly father to a man who maybe his own father wasn't exactly the example that he needed in his life. Can you all see that? God substituted in Timothy's life a man of God who would come along and maybe he he had a godly mother, but now what he had was a father in the faith. Aren't you glad for those dear... Godly men and godly women 
that the Lord has put in your life to be an example for you? Aren't you glad that your children can come to church and and they can see the example of a man that that loves the Lord and serving the Lord and ladies who who love the Lord and serve the Lord and who walk right and teach them right? Aren't you glad that, that God will substitute those areas in our lives where maybe because of our decisions or, or maybe because of the decisions of others, there's a vacancy, and God says, it's okay, I can fill that vacancy. I can take care of that need, and I can fill that gap in their life, and, and I can give them what they need to have, and, and I can substitute in here, and I can stand in there. Aren't you glad that God took Timothy, and through Timothy, God wrought a great work. And can I tell you this morning, it was in no small part due to Paul's influence in his life. A man who, before Timothy was already saved and already trying to do the work of God, had never even met Paul. Paul's passing through town one day. God sends a message to him through these men. Hey, have you heard of Timothy? This man, who there is a good report, the Bible says, a great report all around the place of of what he was doing for the Lord. And Paul took him under his wing. And now all these years later, Paul, far away from him, separated We talked in the book of Philippians how they said the only one that he knew that would love them the way he loved them, he could send to them, was Timothy. You know why? Because Timothy had a lack. He had a spot in his life, a shortage, where where his life wasn't maybe just perfect. It maybe just wasn't exactly what he wanted to be. And God said, you know what, that's okay. I'll fill that spot for you. Now I want you to see the child's satisfaction. Paul said this, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul saying, Timothy, I want you to remember all that God has done for you. I want you to remember the gift of God that's in you and all God's done with you because He brought me and you together. I want you to remember the the blessedness of growing up under a mother and a grandmother who teach you the Bible and who loved you and gave their faith right before you, presented it and led you to the Lord. I want you to remember that. And I want you to be stirred up in your heart and satisfied that God loved you enough Well, maybe my dad wasn't exactly right, or maybe my mom wasn't exactly right, or or I was raised like this, or I was raised like that. What What about God? What about your heritage of the faith? What about all those ways that God has supplemented your life, has filled the gap here, has brought you into this place, has blessed you here, and done this for you here, and how that God has crafted your life together, and that maybe it doesn't look like what you think it should look like. But when God looks at it, He's got it all together. There is no life like a life lived for Jesus. Psalm 27 and verse 8 says this, When thou saidst, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my, my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Truth of the matter is, this morning there's many of us who could stand and give a testimony, and, and I could give a testimony this morning about my mother and my father and how, how they led me right, and I have given some of that, and how, how much of a blessing it is that I have that. But can I tell you that God can be father, He can be mother, He can be friend and brother and anything and everything that you need, that He'll be close to you, that He'll be nearby, that He'll pick you up, that when friends and fathers and mothers and anyone else, if anyone else in the world forsakes us, that God, He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. That He would be to us a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. That He would be to us that father and that mother. And it says, the Lord will take me up. 
like a mom picking up that baby, like me walking in there picking up my son and holding to my chest that our God, that He loves us so much. That when our lives, maybe, maybe our life is that, that Norman Rockwell painting, or maybe it's not, maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, but I can tell you right now, there's nothing, on, nothing in life, nothing on earth like knowing that my Father in heaven has picked me up and held me to His chest. If you've come this morning and you have a godly mother or a godly father or a godly grandmother or a godly grandfather or a godly aunt or an uncle or, or whatever it is, that person in your life, thank your God. He's blessed you abundantly. If you've come this morning without that godly influence in your life, and maybe you had a difficult childhood, or maybe you had, have a difficult past, or maybe you haven't been a godly father, or you haven't been a godly mother, can I tell you today, your heritage is from the Lord. And no goodly heritage comes without starting somewhere. Let's all stand. Miss Brandy, if you wouldn't mind. I'll tell you what, Miss Brandy, you don't have to do that. It's Mother's Day. I don't want you to have to be on the piano. I'll tell you what we ought to do. Every father and every mother in here this morning ought to thank God that He would bless them with children. Everyone. Every father, you say, well, it's Mother's Day. Amen. Well, you know what, Dad? You sure are blessed. Every father and every mother ought to thank God that the Lord would give them children. Every grandmother and every aunt and every uncle and every grandfather ought to thank God for the opportunity to be a part of the raising and the blessing and the helping of children. Amen. We ought to take a step back and look at our lives and say, Lord, am I drawing that arrow back? with direction and purpose in mind? God, am I pointing my children right in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Or am I just, eh, whatever will be, will be? The Lord has given us a reward in giving us children. And every one of us ought to bow down on the knee and thank Him. Amen. And this morning, let me tell you this. You say, well, you know what? I don't have that heritage and my... I didn't have that heritage. You need to be that godly heritage for your children from today. My grandmother, Diana Shirley, when my dad was around eight, nine years old, decided she was going to start taking her kids to church. She took my dad and his two younger brothers and their little sister, Tammy, when she came along to church until they all grew up and left the home and got married. And until Tammy got married, my papaw was not in church. He wasn't against her taking them, but he had no part in it. She determined that in her heart, she was going to raise her children with a goodly heritage no matter what. She was going to push through, and she was going to raise them right and give them what they needed. I don't know what your situation is this morning. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. Every goodly heritage has to start somewhere. And if you don't have one this morning and you've not been building one for your children, let me tell you, today is a perfect day for you to start. Father in heaven, God, I thank you, Lord, that you would see fit to bless me, to bless my wife with children. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you, Lord, that you blessed me with a godly woman who loves you, God who was raised in a godly home, God who has a desire to lead our children in the way that the Bible teaches that they should go. God, I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you've poured out on me. God, I thank you, Lord, for this church. And I thank you, God, as as Brother Joe said to me before church started, how that here in a few years we're going to have a huge and just wonderful youth group because we've got so many of these young children, God, these little ones. And more, God, it seems like just being born all the time, and I have no doubt there'll be more. Got a brand new one just this week and another one born just a couple weeks back. And God, you blessed this church with children. 
God, help us, Lord, to understand, Lord, the great responsibility that we lead these children in the way that is right. God, help us to understand, Lord, that the world has no desire to teach our children right and wrong. God, that the devil, Lord, he's come, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God, we have been given a reward and a heritage from heaven. God, help us to see the importance and the responsibility, Lord, that we would raise our children right. God, that we would show them, Lord, that, that, that you are more important than anything else in life. God, that it's more important, Lord, that they know you and that they walk in truth than it is, God, that they have a big house and a nice car. God, it's more important that they have you and that they, that they know you and that they've been saved. And God, that, that they live a life that's for you than it is anything else in life. No, no amount of success, God, is worth more than salvation in a relationship with the God of heaven. No amount, Lord, of, uh, uh, of worldly pleasures, Lord, are an equivalent exchange for what we receive from you. God, I pray this morning, please. If there's some here this morning, God, a mother, Lord, or a father, Lord, who have not been walking in the way to nurture, Lord, their children and to give them the admonition in the Lord, God, that they would raise them right, Lord, that they wouldn't depart of it from their old God. I pray if there's one this morning, Lord, who does not have a goodly heritage, God, who are not establishing a goodly heritage, Lord, that today would be the day. God, that they would bow the knee, Lord, that they would ask you, Lord, please, to work in them and make them a godly father, a godly mother, Lord, godly parents, Lord. God, that they would begin a goodly heritage today. Make one in us, God. Make one in me. Make one in my wife. Make one in all these mothers and all these fathers and all these people here this day, Lord. Maybe God who don't have children yet, Lord, or who are, whose children have grown up and God had those grandchildren. God, that they would continue, Lord, to begin and to build a goodly heritage with them today. Thank you, Lord, for all you do, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Help us, Lord. How greatly do we need you? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.